Hello one and all to another episode of A Healthy Dose of Fran. Uh, today I'm going to be doing a new segment to those who've been listening on SoundCloud and to those watching on YouTube. It's just a new video. Um, <laughs> so this new segment is going to be called How to Make a Better Film. And it's basically going to be me spouting my opinions on films that I've seen in the past that I've either hated or I've thought could have been done a little bit better. Um, and just saying how would I how I would have done them differently. Uh, the film I'm going to be doing today is The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan, whose last name I am, I think I'm pronouncing correctly. Probably should have checked that before I started this video. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to get straight into it. And basically the reason I've decided to do this film is because this month it has been eight years since the film came out in 2010. And the main reason I kind of want to talk about this film is because it kind of pains me to this day how poorly this film was. Uh, no, that's not English. How poor this film was as a fan of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. Uh, so I'm going to get straight into it and I'm going to start with bad aspects of the film and then I'll go into the thoughts that I've had of what could have been better, the thoughts that other people have had that could have made it better. And if anyone wants to debate or have any ideas on how they would have done it, drop a comment down below and I'll happily talk with you about that. And uh, that's mainly because I don't have really anything else to do. So please leave me a comment. Um, so I'll get straight to it. So the big thing that was the issue with the last Airbender film to me was every aspect of the characters, really. And as everyone probably knows, characters are kind of like, the heart and soul of, of any story. If your characters are bad, your story is going to be bad and your audience isn't going to enjoy it. Um, there was a big controversy that came out with The Last Airbender film and that's mainly because the series that it's based on, all of the characters, everyone in the entire series really, is of Asian ethnicity. But for three out of the four main cast, who were the main characters, were white actors. Now, that was the big issue behind it, because it was whitewashing. And there was no kind of justification, really, behind doing that. Because even the actors that they chose, only one of them was well-known, and that's because he was from the Twilight series. The others, at least I, I don't really know them, that they weren't really big names as far as I'm aware so there kind of wasn't as a reason for it um that's just kind of like that was mainly a casting thing that just kind of frustrated and annoyed most of the audience who were fans of the Avatar series um a big thing that came with the characters was that there was such a huge difference between the characterization in the tv series and the characterization in the film mainly again with the three main characters. So Aang, who they called Ong in the film, I'm not going to go too much into that because it breaks my heart even just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> Aang is this 12-year-old boy who basically has the responsibilities of the entire world on his shoulders. He's the Avatar, master of all four elements, and he is basically being pressured into saving the world from the Fire Nation who are trying to take over. And he just wants to be a kid. And he he acts like a kid. That's this 
big thing about it, he acts like a kid because he is a kid. So, like, in the show, he wakes up from being in an iceberg for 100 years, and basically the first thing he says is, do you want to go penguin sledding with me? That's, like, that's Ang in a nutshell. He's a kid. He acts like a kid. He wants to be a kid. He doesn't want this responsibility. In the film, they got the whole doesn't want this responsibility aspect. They got that down. But he barely acted like a kid. There was no childlike joy or happiness with him. And when they tried to make him a little bit goofy, it was so awkward and it was stiff and it didn't feel natural whatsoever. I don't know if that was due to the actor's abilities or how the script was written, but it was very obvious that it just wasn't working. Similarly to that is Katara, another main character. Now, in the show, she's she's the sort of motherly person. She's more she's a bit of a stick in the mud, but she's also really caring. She's really thoughtful. She's generally a lovely person, and she will look after everyone as best as she can. And well, she she fights the patriarchy in one of the episodes. Like that just kind of shows you what sort of person she is. Like she literally basically fights the patriarchy. But in the film. She's the most boring character you could ever have met. Like, ever have written, really. You could basically replace her character with a wooden board and it'd make no difference. They would have the exact same personality. And that really sucks because her character in the show was so important and so brilliant. To have her kind of, like... Oh, to have what happened to her in the film is just devastating, really. And that's the same with Sokka, who who plays her, who is her brother. Uh, in the show, he was he was the comedic character. He was the comedy sidekick, and he was the most sarcastic guy you probably would have ever met. He'd be that sort of guy who just constantly telling jokes in real life, and is always hungry, or a bit of an idiot sometimes, but a lovable one. And in the film, he had, like, the most violent streak ever. Everything he said was basically a threat of violence. There was no sarcasm. There was no comedy. I think they tried at one point, but it was so awkward that it was obvious they were just trying to kind of shoehorn it in. And it was just, yeah, yeah, it was just not good. The only good character that I think they had was Zuko, played by Dev Patel. And that's the only actor I actually knew from that film. I think I knew one more but I don't actually remember his name at this point but he was the only well-known actor to me when I watched this and definitely he's a good actor in general and he he did what he could with the writing of M. Night for Zuko's character and Zuko he is an angsty guy, he's very angsty but he does have a personality and he is quite funny not usually intentionally, but he can be. There's lots of comedic, like, physical comedy as well with Zuko's character, which we just didn't see in the film. And it's really unfortunate that that didn't happen, because that kind of added to Zuko's character in the series. But Dev did the best he could, and it, it was all right. It wasn't great, but, you know, you got to go with what you're given. Um, another thing with character is the villain for the show. So the villain's called Ozai. And in the show, 
he was like this formidable unknown villain we never saw his face i think it's in the last season we actually see his face and it kind of it humanizes him in a little in a little way but at the same time you've had this unknown villain for two seasons which is there's like 22 24 episodes in a season or something so that's 40 nearly 50 uh, no wait math not my strong suit there's about 40 episodes of not seeing this guy and then we suddenly see him and he's given a little bit of humanity but he's been an unknown for so long that you're still terrified of him he's sort of, sort of that silent dictator so well that's exactly what he was he was a silent dictator and imperialist and it was terrifying but in the film we're seeing him constantly he's always there you don't have this sort of silent villainous streak he's just there he's just a normal person straight from the start which I, I can't even get on board with like I'm trying to find a way to talk about how that could have that could have worked but the way it's supposed to be is it's, it's kids going to fight like an adult this kind of formidable image but we're not learning like we're not seeing him in, as this formidable image. We're seeing him straight away as just a normal guy. I think that kind of takes away the fear of it a little bit more. Because the whole thing is like, I, I remember watching the series and being terrified of Ozai. Just the idea of Ozai. But watching the film, I was I was really let down. Just because there wasn't much to him. He, it was just kind of a random guy. He was just kind of there. And it was a bit disappointing. Um... And just kind of going off that, there was there were lots of story changes that happened from the film that just kind of didn't work. So there was um, Aang finding out about, I think he finds out about Sozin's comment. I don't really remember it that much just because I I wanted to rewatch it again for this video, but I couldn't put myself through it again. So I, my ideas of what happened may be a little bit fuzzy, but I know the basis of it. So there's a dragon spirit that Aang meets in the spirit world that tells him I think about Susan's comment which is basically a comment that comes to the sky that gives Firebender's ultimate power but this dragon spirit keeps appearing but this dragon spirit didn't exist in the series there was no there was no talking dragon spirits that Aang met that told him these stories there were dragons at one point but that was in season three and it, like, they don't talk <laughs> So I don't really know where it came from. It was kind of shoehorned in again, which was a big thing. But there's, there's so much shoehorned information. And then there was Earthbenders who were trapped in a prison of Earth. And yet they didn't use the Earth to fight back, which is kind of the weirdest thing. Because Firebenders in this needed a source of fire to be able to firebend, which was a change again, because... Firebenders can just make fire. They don't need a source, at least from the series. I don't know if it's because of the la the unavailability of CGI or CGI wasn't that strong or powerful yet. I have no idea, but there's a lot of unnecessary changes to the spiritual side, the bending of the element side. They're just kind of there was no real justification for putting them in. And I've just realised I've been talking about the bad things for about like ten minutes. So I'm just going to move on from all the bad stuff because I could literally rant about this for like an hour and you guys don't want that because 
I know, well, I'm, I'm not going to put you guys through that. Um, so I'm going to just move on straight away to what I would do. Um, most of the things I'm going to say may not make that much sense to people who haven't seen the series. So if you want, you could pause this video and then come back to it after watching the 60 episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender and then come back and then you'll have the context of what I'm talking about. Well, actually, you could just watch season one, so that's like 20 episodes, you'll be fine. Um, and you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, but I'm just going to go straight for it. And if you get confused, leave me a message and uh, I'll explain to you as best I can. Um, yeah, so I'll just get straight into it. So the things with the film was that they kind of included random bits of episodes from the series to kind of build up the story. Um, and some of them kind of like, they worked and I can understand it and it would, it makes sense to me. Like the Earth Prisoners, I can get on board with that being put in there because it's kind of opening this idea of the world being taken over by the Fire Nation. So the Fire Nation has invaded this village and has imprisoned people who are earthbenders and made it basically illegal for them to use it. That I can understand, but I think it really needed to be changed a lot more to, because in the episode, they're taken away from the village completely. They are put onto a boat made out of steel, which they can't bend because it's not earth, um, and trap them there. And Katara leads the uprising and finds coal that was powering the boat, and that's when the earthbenders start fighting back and take the ship and kind of free themselves. So that was more powerful because not only do we see Katara's character and her fight for helping people be better and not be better, kind of free themselves and know that they can fight back, that they aren't just that then they can't just let it all happen. And she leads this sort of revolution, which is brilliant, and it really shows how powerful she is as a person. But um, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. <laughs> but that just kind of it was ruining the film for that aspect. And I think if they'd stuck to the way that the show showed it, it would have worked a lot more, and it would would have made a lot more sense. But um, with the episodes from season one, the order that I think would have worked is definitely having episodes one and two, just because that's the introduction. That's us meeting Aang, meeting Katara, meeting Sokka, meeting Zuko and Iroh. Um, having this idea of like realising that Aang is the Avatar, that he's been missing for a hundred years, finding out about the Fire Nation and the war that's been going on for a hundred years. Um, we learn a little bit about Zuko's past and how he's a banished prince um, and he has a scar that at this point we don't really know why he's got the scar. Uh, the only thing I'd cut out from the original episodes is the thing with the abandoned ship, just because it doesn't really add anything to the story. Um, and uh, I think it could very easily be cut out. Um, and then they did kind of get in the film. So I, I kudos to them on that because that works. Um, straight after that, I would then go on to episodes 9 and 6, which is after they realised that Aang needs to learn waterbending and Katara also wants to improve her waterbending. So it was them searching for a way to get a waterbending scroll or a way to learn waterbending. So that could just be with them travelling, trying to find their way to the northern 
um, the Northern Water, Water Tribe into stumbling across um, one of the gifts. And they could even have the bit where they're chased by Zuko and pirates, just because it'd be an interesting thing to have in, in the film, because um, it adds in that childlike aspect, and you see and learn a little bit more about Zuko. Um, this is going back to the characters as well. I think a big thing that needs to be in the film is Iroh's character and his charm and his wisdom because he's a very philosophical character like I wouldn't have gotten a quote that he says on tattooed on my body if it, he wasn't really philosophical and he didn't speak so much truth but we didn't get that much in the film so I think that would need to be included a lot more as well and in these episodes you do see it as well the way he acts and the way he speaks um and so episodes nine and six, so that's the scroll would come first, and that's actually episode nine. But then after that, I would then go on to having uh, the Earth Prisoners episode told in the way that it was done in the episode with them on a steel ship and an uprising, etc. Um, I would then go on to episodes eight and seven. Um, no, seven and eight, sorry. Um, which is where we learn a little bit more about the past Avatar, Avatar Roku, who is a firebender uh, from the Fire Nation. And we learn also about um, the Sun Warriors and the Sun, I think it's the Sun Warriors, the Sun Priests, I'm not, I can't remember exactly now, the ones who were supposed to be loyal to the Avatar, but since the Fire Nation has taken over, they are now loyal to the Fire Lord, except for one. And here, Anne goes into the spirit world and kind of talks to Avatar Roku and learns about Sozin's comment, uh, comet, comet, yes, that's how you say it. Um, and also the, the sun priests, I'm just going to call them sun priests, um, then meet Roku's spirit when he comes out of this chamber that Aang locked himself in and realise sort of a mistake they've made, but then also can't stop themselves from being loyal to the Fire Lord because as we find out later when Zhao who is this bit of an asshole really and he pops up every now and again he's um, a commander Zhao and he's basically he's Zuko's enemy he's Aang's enemy oh my god I was about to say it the way they say in the film oh kill me um, and he's just an all around bad 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 guy I, I would even say that in he should be worse than Ozai in this film because that's the whole thing that so he is a visible villain at this point and he's working off the orders of the fire lord um but yeah I'm getting carried away um and we see from commander Shao that basically if you take a stand or show even a, the slightest hint of disloyalty or stepping away from fire, the Fire Lord's vision, you're arrested, you're sent to prison. So we start to see a little bit more of this sort of imperialist regime where can't, can't, even what would have been like in like Nazi Germany sort of thing, you show even the slightest hint of disapproval, you're gone, you disappear. Um, I don't actually know if that's what happened in Nazi Germany. That probably wasn't a good example if I don't know that it's true. But kind of like that sort of dictatorship sort of Thing. that's the people who kind of want to get rid of those who don't fit their image which is kind of what the fire nation is wanting to do the fire nation is the best nation everyone else should follow their rule 
and those who don't want to, well, you know, we gave them a choice sort of thing. Um, on from Roku's message about um, uh, Zozin's comment, I would then say we would go on to episode 10, which is about Jet and the Freedom Fighters, which is kind of like this ragtag group of kids and teenagers um, who are fighting the Fire Nation in any way they can. But what we see is kind of how their actions aren't any better. Jet is happy to kill innocent people if it means that he can get rid of even some Fire Nation soldiers. And we learn that there are there are bad things happening on both sides sometimes. There are people who would happily kill innocents just to get rid of the guys who are doing the same in return. And it's kind of like fighting fire with fire. And we see Katara, Aang and Sokka kind of disapprove of the way he's doing it because they were, he was happy to kill children. Like people who wouldn't even be, it would be the same age or younger than him. Just because he wanted to get rid of the Fire Nation soldiers. And it's, and his response was, well, they're Fire Nation. They're no better. It's kind of things like that. It's just kind of a little bit, it, it kind of gives more depth to this idea of when war and morals kind of get corrupted by things that have, so horrible things that have been happening in the world. I think that would have been a really interesting thing to see in the film because we're getting both sides in a way and knowing that there are the right way and the wrong way to do things. Also, I, I really like the Freedom Fighters just in general from the show because it was, it was basically like a group... It was, oh, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies but less like cannibalism and death. Um, like there were no adults in the Freedom Fighters. They were all kids just trying to make a difference and trying to stop the Fire Nation, even if they were doing it in the wrong way. Um, episode 13 would be the next one that I put in, which is the Blue Spirit, where we learn a little bit more about Zuko and kind of um, how he is slightly different to the other Fire Nation people we've seen, um, where he saves Aang from Commander Zhao um, as the Blue Spirit. Um, what I'd also think is maybe kind of combining it into that would be learning a bit more about his past and how he got the scar. So I can't remember if they do talk about that in the film, but I feel like that's a really important aspect of his character, the fact that his father is the one who gave him that scar. And that they're kind of like, there's the whole, we take no prisoners, like no mercy sort of thing that is seen in that regime. And there's a big thing about it. And the fact that it was even done to his own son kind of really shows the horror behind it because what was really interesting is that even in that episode where we're seeing him being attacked by his dad and burned by his father we still don't see his dad's face and that's again that kind of continues on this idea of this unseen villain and we even we don't see him when he's hurting his own child so it kind of makes him even more villainous so it'd be interesting to kind of blend the blue spirit and Zuko's past together in a way um whether it be in flashback because there's an aspect where the blue spirit kind of gets shot and hit so maybe it'd be in a flashback or something or other or in a side scene where uncle iroh is on the boat with uh, with the men because there's an aspect in another episode called the storm where we find out why ang left and where zuko left 
uh, not left, um, and what happened to Zuko and all these things. Which actually, we could just ha we could probably actually put that before the Blue Spirit. It would depend on kind of timing and how long the script is ending up. But um, if anything, it could be kind of like an either or. I don't actually remember the episode number for the storm, but I think either having the Blue Spirit or the episode the storm kind of interchange whichever one works I think we kind of come up with a better way for the story to flow because you're getting that background you're getting why Aang left you're getting what happened to Zuko and why he's such he's so hard on himself and he's all about wanting to find his honour again um, and then the final ones would be episode 18, 19 and 20 so 19 and 20 are the finales so that's the big battle where the Fire Nation have come to the Northern Water Tribe and episode 18 is where they've arrived at the Water Tribe, um, and Aang and Katara have been kind of learning water bending along the way. But um, there's a train a master there called Master Paku, who um, is happy to train Aang water bending, but he won't train Katara because women in the North Water Tribe aren't water benders; they're healers. They can't learn water bend like actual fighting water bending. Um, and this is where Katara fits the patriarchy because she's like, screw that, I'm a waterbender, and I and she challenges him to kind of like a duel of waterbending, and she nearly beats him, but because obviously he's a master, he does kind of get the upper hand in the end, and he learns in the end that he, he should teach that she is a good student and she is a good waterbender, and obviously this is where she defeats the patriarchy because he stops being a bad dude um, and then episode 19 20 which kind of comes straight after what's happening there we're seeing Sokka falling in love with Princess Yue um, and we then see the Fire Nation arrive with Commander Zhao leading them and this is where we learn of Commander Zhao's plans to kill the moon spirit to remove the moon so waterbenders can no longer waterbend um, and so Uncle Iroh is with him at this time because Xiao has um, tried to kill Zuko and it looks like he's killed him but he hasn't, Zuko's managed to get away and Iroh has snuck on and snuck Zuko on to the ship as well so they could get there and capture the Avatar before Xiao. So this happened a little bit before but this happened just kind of, I think, not long after the Blue Spirit um, scene, uh, episode. Um, but it'd just be like a quick sequence in the actual film itself. And so the Fire Nation invade. Um, Waterbenders are fighting about this big, big, big battle going on. And Aang has snuck away to where the water and moon spirit are to enter the spirit world to find out more of what he can do. Um, and this is where Zuko appears and takes Aang away um, after fighting Katara. Uh, we then have Commander Zhao turn up and he uh, puts the moon spirit in a bag and waits, uh, tries to basically kill it by starving it of water. Um, and we then hear Uncle Iroh turn up saying, if you do this, it'll, it won't just hurt the waterbenders, it'll hurt everyone, including the Fire Nation. Um, and it looks like he's going to be a good guy and then he decides not to and he kills the water spirit, which kind of blocks out the moon. Um, and just kind of everything would play out as it does. Princess Yue sacrifices herself to be, because she was blessed by the moon spirit and becomes the new moon spirit. 
um, Aang kind of loses his shit, turns into like this giant fish spirit monster thing with the with the water spirit and kind of gets rid of all the Fire Nation army and they all run away really and that's kind of how the first season ends and it's a big dramatic scene and great and that's basically how I would do the sequence of the film if it made any sense I've kind of realised I started to ramble a little bit between each discussion of what episode would happen um so I'll just I'll try and stick to my point and not go off on a tangent um the other things I would do is I would keep the characters kind of as they are in the show I would have Aang be fun and childlike have the penguin sledding thing in as well because I think that's a great first line for Aang's character um Katara would again have her motherly caring side as well as the whole fight the patriarchy just because I think that's a great bit of her personality Sokka he's got to be sarcastic if he's not sarcastic he's not Sokka and it's disappointing and obviously Iroh as I said before I want his philosophical side I want his kind caring uncle aspect kind of like he's basically Zuko's father even though he biologically he's not he's Zuko's adoptive father really he treats Zuko like a son and I wish we saw more of that in the film so I would do that if I were to rewrite the film I would have that character aspect of him so you probably just saw me just changing the paper to read the rest of it um the story itself other than kind of the sequence of how I would do it I, I would change things that well change back the things that they changed in the film so in the film Aang can't waterbend very well but that's the complete opposite of what happens in the show the only element that he really struggles with is firebending and earthbending just because they're so opposite from him waterbending he masters basically instantly when Chitara is trying to teach him he does it so much better than her she gets a little bit pissed off um and, but in the show, in the show, in the film, that wasn't the case. They, they for some reason, had it that he was just really bad at waterbending. And I kind of didn't understand why. Um, another thing that they did cut out was the fight with Master Paku, which I thought was really disappointing because that kind of was a really cool aspect of Katara's character, of her standing up to Master Paku's sex and the Northern Walk tribe's sexism. And it was disappointing that they cut it out because it, it was such a badass moment of, well, one of the many badass moments of Katara. Um, but considering she doesn't have any other badass moments during the film, I feel like if they'd put that in, they could have saved it a little bit, but they didn't. So her character was forever ruined by that film. Um, I think another thing that they really didn't do was they didn't focus that much on what was happening with the war. It was kind of in the background a little bit you, you knew it was happening but it wasn't kind of at the forefront which does happen a little bit in the show sometimes but you do there was a lot of awareness of what of where the characters kind of see what the war has done so in the where was it uh in the episode seven that i mentioned before where with the roku's message episode seven shows where a fine is decimated 
this natural place for no reason. They've just destroyed this nature. And it just because just they could, from what it seemed like, it's and just left. And it devastates Aang, who is a monk and an air nomad, who is all for nature. Like, he's vegetarian, he's all these things. He's all about protecting nature and being with nature. And to kind of see a natural place destroyed for the sake of destroying, it kind of brings back the realisation that there are lots of things happening in this war that shouldn't be happening and lots of other horrible things. So there's kind of like one horrible thing after another that you're learning with what's happening in this war. Um, and kind of like another thing that doesn't pop up much is the spiritual side of the show. So there was a lot of focus on kind of, I suppose what we would look at as like Buddhist beliefs in kind of um, your chi and uh, your chakras and things like that. Um, there's a whole episode that gets much later on when this happens. There's a whole episode about chakras and opening your chakras and all these sort of things. But there's so little focus on the spiritual side in this film, other than this random dragon spirit thing that pops up. That again, just I still don't get why they did that because that it's just dumb. It's just, it's the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And I know some people could enjoy it, but I just thought it was ridiculous. There's no reason for having a dragon spirit just kind of randomly appear just to give Aang information. When Avatar, it would have been more, it would have been cooler if Avatar Roku would have done it because that is another spiritual sign because Avatar Roku is Aang's previous uh, incarnation. And like we even see him speaking to other incarnations throughout the first season. Um, and uh, and throughout the rest of the season as well, he at least speaks to five other incarnations of himself. But you don't see any of that. He, he doesn't speak to Roku at all in the film. I think that was disappointing, just because it would have been really interesting to have had Roku appear and have a more focus on the spiritual aspect. Um, but yeah... So, I, I think I'm going to finish up because I've just realised I can see like the time on how long I've been speaking, and I realise you guys I've either probably ever stopped this video, or I just hope I'll finish up soon. I promise I'm I'm finishing now. Don't worry. You, you can go. You can go have dinner. You can have a cup of tea or whatever now, because I'm finishing up. So basically, to finish what it is, I basically changed the majority of what had happened in this film because it's a disaster. And the fact that there is the possibility of a sequel coming out is more horrifying than anything I've ever heard. Um, but the show, if anyone who's watching this has not seen Avatar The Last Airbender, I recommend it like nobody's business, including its follow-up sequel, The Legend of Korra, which you know some people from the Avatar fandom are not the biggest fans of, but I still suggest seeing it just because it is great. It's not Avatar but it's great. Um, I'd like to thank you all for watching or listening to this episode of A Healthy Dose of Fran. Uh, I should hopefully have another film review next week, as I believe I will be reviewing The Darkest Minds, which comes out this coming Friday uh, here in the UK. Um, so, I, yeah, again, uh, thank you all for watching and listening. 
and I will see you next week.